welcome you to Doxodeo Hatfield, a multi-ethnic family on mission, passionate about Jesus, passionate about community, and passionate about serving the city of Chwane. Good morning, Doxodeo Hatfield. It is such a privilege to be here. All of those that braved the long weekend, you are blessed. Straight to heaven. Those that are not here, don't know so much. That's not biblical, so don't take that for a, for a fact. Okay. You are so welcome. This is the last in our series of how to hear God's voice, the impromptings of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit in us and the helper that was given to us speak into our hearts. So today we are going to double click on the practical. So we're going to double click on what it means to hear God's voice in your work, in your studies, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your Anything that is like real and tangible, we are going to step into. And that is going to be quite difficult, I think. So I want to lead us in a prayer as we step into what sometimes feel like a bit of a daunting task. And what I hear on a Sunday and what I experience in my quiet time to bring that into a real life scenario. Will you join me as we close our eyes? Lord, this is, a, this is a moment where you want to quiet everything in my heart. Everything that I have planned for the rest of today, everything that I'm worried about for the rest of the week that lies ahead, everything that is contending for my attention and my emotion of the past week. This is a moment, Lord, where you, you want to come and meet us in a place to take us beyond our expectation. This is a moment, this is a, this is a sermon, this is a word from you, Lord, when you want to speak to each and every one of us and say, I want to take you deeper into my understanding of who you are and who I want to be for you and who I am. I want to lead you from religion into relationship. I want to speak with you. I want you to hear my voice. I want to be there for you. And as we dive into this word, Lord, I pray that you will protect your word. Every utterance, and every experience of it. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. I want to base our discussion today on just three foundational truths about the Holy Spirit. There are many, all of them scriptural. And I want to just start off with three basic things, foundational things, the foundation of our understanding of the Holy Spirit. 
And then from there, using that as a foundation, we will jump into the rest of the, of the message. The first point is that when you receive Christ in your being, when you accept Him as your Savior, when you accept Him as the person that is the Son of God that died for us and that created a space for us to spend eternity with God, when you invite Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit enters your life. Not if, not maybe, not miskin. When you accept Jesus Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit follows. I want to share with you just the scriptural foundation of that, and that's Acts 2.38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for those small words in the Bible? Those insignificant words that we sort of just read over? Will. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Foundational truth number two. The Holy Spirit reveals God's will in our lives. So the Holy Spirit has various functions, but the two that we are going to just double-click on today is that the Holy Spirit reveal God's will for your life. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 to 11. Now God has revealed these things to us. By whom? By the Spirit. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, those things that we don't see, the things that we cannot conceive of, the Holy Spirit comes and reveals those things to us. And then Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eyes on you, I will counsel you. Foundational truth number two. Number three. The Holy Spirit helps us know God better. 1 Corinthians 2, 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? Who knows God's thoughts except his spirit? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. These are the foundational truths. There are many, but some of the foundational truths that God wants to use today to step into your world, into your real world. One. When you receive Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit follows. Two, why does the Holy Spirit follow? To teach you God's will and also to teach you more things that you didn't know and didn't experience before about God. Okay, is that enough of a lecture for all the students in the room that said, okay, just please get over it now. I hate online sermons. At least I'm here. Please stop with the theory. So let's get real. Have you ever said or have you ever heard this statement? God does not speak to me. Have you heard it before? Have you uttered it before? Maybe you take a more nuanced view to this and you say, I don't hear God's voice. God doesn't speak or I don't hear God's voice. I've been in those places. There were 400 years in the history of Israel where there's no reference in the Bible of God speaking, of God being silent. 
There is no point in the Bible thereafter where that happens. And if you look at these foundational truths, these three foundational truths, it can't be true. It cannot be true if I receive the Holy Spirit and the purpose for receiving Him is to hear God's will for my life and also to hear more about God. Then it cannot be true. These two statements, God doesn't speak to me or I don't hear His voice. And if that cannot be true based on the foundational statements, then, you know, what do I do with this reality that I live with? That sometimes I just don't feel like God is speaking to me and sometimes I don't feel that I'm hearing Him. We're missing something. And that is the thing that God wants to open today in today's message and His, His Word that He wants to share with us. So I want to invite you just to write down this very simple statement. To hear God's voice in real life, I need to double-click on the Holy Spirit. To hear God's voice in real life, I need to double-click on the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to double-click on the Holy Spirit? So I want to share a story with you. 94% of you will immediately judge me for the story. That's fine. But the story has got a purpose. So the story goes back, first judgment, 30 years means I'm a bit older than I thought. 30 years ago, I was 18 years old. I was house-sitting. I was trying to make some money while I was studying. And I house-sat for these people that had two things in their house that scared the living daylights out of me. The first's name was Killer, and the second's name was Commodore. So Killer was the beloved family pit bull. We had a deal. He took 90% of the queen-size bed that we slept on. I had my little sliver that I kept on. And I committed to feed him, and he committed then not to feed on me. This thing was bad. He was ferocious. The second was Commodore. Now, Commodore had her own room in the house. They said it's the study. So Commodore at that point in time, she was a computer. At that point in time, here's the judging. I didn't know how to work on a computer. Remember, this is long date. It's a long time ago. And one evening, I was so bored. There was no Netflix. There was no anything else. There was SABC 1, 2, 3. I don't even think ETV has started, had started already. And I decided I am so bored, I am going to go into Commodore's room. And I opened the door. I stepped into Commodore with faith and a broadened chest. I walked up to her and I said, today I am going to conquer you, Commodore. And she didn't say anything because she wasn't switched on. And then I reached and for about two minutes, I found a way to switch her on and these lights came onto the screen. And the funny thing was, she still didn't say anything because there was just lights and these small little pictures that, uh, that was on her face. And then there was this funny thing that looked like a rat. Had a little tail and two, hand, uh, two eyes and, and I saw that if I click on like the left eye, something happened, but still nothing opened. And then at some point, because I got very agitated, I double-clicked on the left eye of this rat thing and all of a sudden there was a program that opened, a program that was called Word Perfect. The most terrible version of Microsoft Word that you had ever seen in your life, but this thing opened. 
And now when I think back at it, it's very much the same that when we invite Christ into our life, it is as if a spiritual computer opens. There's power of possibility that opens into our hearts. The possibility of an intimate, personal, fulfilling, joyful relationship with the triune God. It opens up that potential in our lives. But in order to take that reality of potential into my real life, I need to double-click on the Holy Spirit. There's something that needs to translate. And maybe you're sitting here and I said, I've, I've, I've felt, I've experienced my spiritual computer switching on, but it doesn't have relevance in my real life. It doesn't have relevance in the decision that I make, which friends I will have, who I will date, who I will marry, what work I will do, what I've been called for. It has no relevance. I know this God, but He's not relevant in my life. And here is where God is saying, I want to lead you into double-clicking on my Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. But the problem is that the reason why we don't hear God's voice is because there are many other voices that contend for our attention and our resultant action. Yeah? So if it's true that I hear God's voice, I've been switched on to Him, I hear Him, but I can't discern, I can't draw a line around it because there are all these other voices, whether it's my friends or my parents or my teachers or my lecturers or my family or my doesn't matter who those are. And now, if you mix into it, my wants, needs, fears, ambitions, and so on, then it's just a loud noise, a cacophony of sounds that buzz in my head. And I can't hear God's voice because I can't discern it. I can't draw a line without it. I can't distinguish it from the rest of the things that are going on in my head. And here's another thing that I want to invite you just to consider. Sometimes I struggle to hear God speaking to me because I struggle to discern His voice. And only thing that I need to do that the Holy Spirit is there to help me with is to draw a line around it, to be able to distinguish it from the rest of what's going on around me. Simple. Easy. Okay, I am now 48, 38, 48, and I struggle desperately with it. The best book that I've ever read, or one of the best books that I've read, is called The Lord Told Me, I Think. Have you felt like that? The Lord has told me, mm, I think. And then you have to make massive decisions. What job am I going to do? Who am I going to marry? Should I go east or should I go west? These are massive decisions with massive implications. And then we go, mm, Lord, no, the Lord told me, I think. Now, I want to share a story with you. It's a, it's a recent experience that my family and I went through. It's quite a traumatic experience that we went through. So if you see people that might leave the sermon just to catch their breath, they're my wife and my three kids and Larissa that also experienced this experience with us. So it's a bit tender, but it's real. And I want to share it with you. It's a, it's a bit of a www.os story. Do you know where that is? I hate those. When people invite you to their house and they say, when we went overseas. 
Yes, a www.os story. And then they give you their computers or their laptops and they just say, scroll right. And I say, why would I want to see another rice patty of Vietnam or Cambodia or Cambodia? I don't, I, w- I want to eat couscous because this is like, people share things with you that you don't want to know. But this I'm going to share with you with a particular purpose. And the purpose is to distill a few, a few principles of how to double-click on the Holy Spirit. Okay. The story goes to France, France, Paris, the city of love and coronavirus. So this story is about my wife and I considering whether we should go to France for my graduation. So I studied for two years uh, they didn't really see what I did, and they gave me the, the degree in the end. And then it was uh, the 5th of February, we were supposed to go to France for this moment of a graduation. And I desperately wanted to go. I really, 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 really wanted to go. Why? Because I hate online studies. Your poor buggers that have to do online studies. I am so sorry for you. We've got some lecturers in the room as well that have to facilitate people through. It's horrible. And I thought I was going to go to university in France and I was going to go every second month and I was going to spend a week there and I spent only the module one and then two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. I, could, I spent on this little iPad that I could only see small faces and then I back-ended it with a, um, with a thesis retreat. And I really, really, really wanted to go. And this is the first principle. When you really, really, really want something, the chances are that that voice is louder than God's voice. If you really, really, really want something, watch out, because it is so difficult to hear God's voice in those circumstances. And it's not just my experience, it is also biblical. So when we go to 2 Peter 5, 6 to 8, Peter writes, A very mature Peter writes, and he says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He might exalt you at the proper time. It might not be your time, but it might be the proper time. It will be the proper time. Casting all your cares on Him. Important phrase. Casting all your cares on Him because He cares about you. Be sober-minded and alert. When there's something that you really, really, really want, be sober-minded and alert. Why? Because the adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for somebody, anybody that he can devour. And interesting here is the word cares. The way that it's translated in the Greek is merimna. It's a sense of being distracted. And because you are distracted, because you're going after this thing that I really, really, really want, I get distracted from where I should really, really, really be going. And maybe you are sitting here and you have been distracted. Your voice, what you want, is just so loud in your heart. And maybe that's your experience of not hearing God's voice because your voice is louder. And God is saying, don't get distracted by things that you really want. I want to show you things that you really need. But the cares of this world, and maybe 
you're in a situation where because you've operated in that space, now you have not only put yourself in danger, you have put people around you in danger of a lion that is prowling around, roaring, and that wants to come after what God wants to do in your life. First principle, be careful of the things that you really, really want. The second principle I want to share with you is the principle of connecting dots. Because there are so many voices in our heads and in our minds, voices of social media and voices of um, news feeds and, and, and so many different things, sometimes it feels to me like I am connecting data points. It's like I'm a, I'm a spiritual detective having to go in and to figure out that's not of God, this is of God, this is me, that is God, and then come only after this process being able to come up and say, this is God speaking to me. Because if it's not God speaking to me and I fo people follow me because I say, this is God, no, that is blasphemy. If you say, God says, and God goes, no, that is not what I said. If you attribute things to God that is not of Him, that is blasphemy. So the, the discipline of taking data points and really understanding God's voice, that is what the Holy Spirit helps us with. And that discipline starts with a reality check. A reality check. So for us in the story, it looked like this. We wanted to go to France. And at that point, France is roughly the similar population to South Africa. At that point, there was about 2,000, 3,000 cases a day of COVID-19 here in South Africa. In France, there were 200 to 300,000 a day. So this is, uh, okay, so do we go? Because what happens if we get ill there? In South Africa, the rule says you have to have a negative PCR to be able to get back. A negative PCR means the PCR test tests for dead virus and live virus, and there are people that still test negative or positive for 90 days after they get infected. So there was a risk. So there was a, a possibility that because of that, so that's the, that's the reality check that we go into. And now you're saying, ah, you stupid, you should not have gone at all because now, but it's something that I really, really wanted. But the thing about a reality check is the reality check shows you the environment for which God wants to give you faith. If you are ignorant of your environment, how can you be effective in God's army? So many times we go into this high heaven, we go into this place and we speak to God and it's like this magical place, it's mystical, we hear things, we experience things and then our lives don't change. Lord, I had this amazing time in worship. Lord, I had this amazing time in fellowship and community. But when you go back into your life, your life is still stickened and broken and have trouble in it. And God is saying, what I want you to believe and understand by reality checking, understanding your, your, your reality, reading the business day and the Bible at the same time. Reading the economist and the Bible at the same time. Really understanding what's going on in South Africa, what's going on in Africa, what's going on in the Ukraine at the moment. We are ignorant of the world that we live in. And then we want to hear God's voice. God that is definitely not ignorant. He has made all of this. And now we want to go and sit with Him and hear what He has to say about a situation that we don't understand. 
God, the way that God works through His Spirit, He takes you into heavenly places. He takes you to these amazing places where him, with Him where He gives you a godly perspective of the world that you live in. And then He says, go back into your world and take them my word and live my word and be my word and make a change in the place that you live in. Reality checking. Make sense? The next point is prayers and promptings. Prayers and promptings. So I know that I need to be careful for those things that I really want. Now I need to collect data points. I know that I need to be able to understand the world around me. But then I take it into a prayer scenario. Why? Because if I understand the world around me, I can be clear about the picture and the question that I'm asking of God. If you want to draw a circle around what God is saying, draw a circle around the question that you're asking Him. How can you draw a real circle around the question that you're asking Him? By understanding the reality that you live in. Yes? For us in this picture, it looked like the following. I asked God three questions, understanding the reality of 200 to 300 cases per day. I said, God, can I go? Pretty please. Because then my wife and my kids we would be out of harm's way, right? My second question was, God, can I take my wife with me? She sacrificed so much during the past two years to allow me to go through this amazing journey, something that I really, really, really wanted. Can she go with me? Okay, now, Andreas, our oldest, the kids, they're in trouble if we get ill there. Yes, they've got a credit card, but they don't have the parents at home, right? So they need us, surely. But the risk amplified. And then the third question was, Lord, if we go, Blader and I, can we spend more time there? But now this incubation period thing comes in, right? So you can get in and you can get out and you don't test positive. But Lord, I said, can we go? Can Blader and I go? And can we spend time there? Because we're going through a transition just professionally and things in our life. We actually need some time to, to hear your voice in the way that we are transitioning. And I felt the prompting. I, I, I framed a prayer around the reality in framing the prayer, I knew that this is what I can listen out for from God. Not all these other voices. This prayer is couched in the Spirit. I ask this question from God and He then speaks into me. And just through promptings and through peace that I had in my spirit, I felt like God said yes to all three. But here I still kept it quite lightly. But I experienced God saying yes to all three of these things that I had. And Blade and I got onto Air France. We went to France. It was an amazing moment of, uh, of celebration. But it had to be couched in Scripture. Because I can understand reality. I can carve a question based on it. I can then ask questions from God, experience through prayers and promptings what He's saying, but I want to stand on God's Word. 
Because if I don't see God move, I will not move. And that's where John 5, 19 to 20 comes in. And I've tried to fashion my search for data points after this scripture. John 5, 19 to 20. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on His own, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and He shows Him everything He is doing and He will show you Him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. What is Jesus saying here? I only move if I see my Father moving. I do not step into situations if I don't see my Father moving. And this is where I believe some of our mistakes come because we move before we have the Scriptures confirming that we should be moving. Decisions of whether our kids should go on um, a trick holiday. We couch in Scripture. At that point, they are old enough and we tell them, you go and ask God. You get Scripture from Him. We couch decisions, daily decisions, real decisions in Scripture. Why? Because when the things go wrong, and they do, as you follow after God, things go wrong. Don't believe that when you follow after God, you are safe. You are not safe. You are protected. When we follow after God, bad things happen. And then I don't want to stand on a confirmation of my bias. I want to stand on a confirmation of Scripture on nothing else. If you want to know where God is moving, if He's moving, His Word is Spirit-infused. That is where you stand. <clears throat> you can see that I had COVID. It's a book on a COVID doosie. So at that point in time, I was sitting in the gym. I was cycling, uh, not very fast. But I was cycling. I was like on an eight resistance, not very bad. So I could still hear the Spirit of God speaking. Now, if you're too much, you can't hear. And then I listened to a sermon, and on a totally different topic, Samuel 2 came up in the Scripture. I went back to Samuel 2, and I said, God, I felt a prompting that this is where I should anchor our confirmation. And in that Scripture, there was a, a time of transition. Saul passed away. David was now transitioning into his leadership that he was anointed for. And I experienced God saying in that Samuel 2 scripture, David went to God and said, should I go up to Judah? Should I go up to Hebron? And God said, yes. And I experienced that as a confirmation of, yes, Lord, I should go to France for this transition that we are experiencing. And then the scripture says, and David took his wives with him. I only took one wife. I only have one beloved wife. And then it said, and they stayed there for a while. Okay. Scripture confirmation. Do you take decisions in your life without seeing God move? Or do you follow Him? If you want to follow Him, you follow Him through Scripture. I only ask this because if you don't follow Him through Scripture, then the things are going to happen that go wrong. And I know that in your life you followed Him before. You followed Him into studying something and then things go wrong. You followed Him into a relationship and then things go wrong. You followed Him into a marriage and then things go wrong. You followed Him into business ventures and things go wrong. 
I only ask this question because Blade and I followed God based on prayers and promptings, based on a reality check, based on Scripture, and when we got there, we got COVID. And on the same day that we were tested positive, our oldest son that was supposed to look after the kids also tested positive. Okay, so that's a bit of a spanner in the works. Luckily, his girlfriend Larissa helped us and she came into the house and uh, luckily the younger ones didn't get ill. And These things happen. And we were able to stand on a scripture confirmation of what God was saying to us. The last point that I want to share with you is honing the ability on hearing what God is really saying. So we spoke about be careful for those things that you, that you really want. And then we spoke about data collection. We spoke about reality testing. We spoke about prayers and promptings. We spoke about Christia, uh, Scripture. But you see, things happen in our lives that God speaks at decibels that you really need to lean into. And there are people sitting here today that are experiencing their reality as being dire, disrupted, diamakar, confusing. And it's in this space where God is saying, I want to teach you how to lean into what I'm saying. In fact, I, I wrote it down so that I'd, I get it right. And this is the way that I experienced the Spirit laying it on my heart. It says, what you may be experiencing right now, these are the times where God speaks in a frequency that you need to lean into. These are the times when He imparts the deep stuff. The stuff that builds us up so that He can take us to yet another level of maturity, relationship, intimacy, trust, faith, and impact. When bad things happen in your life, you need to lean in. Because those are the situations where you really are open to hear from God. It, it may not even be bad things. It might just be disruptive things. And I want to share with you just um, two things that God shared with us while we were, while we were in, um, in France. By this time, Blade and I are like in a small little hotel room. You know, the type that you, um, that you rent or you hire when you know that you're going to be out on the town you're going to see God and uh, Uzes and Saint-Rémy and you're going to eat like French cuisine and you are going to drink French wine. So you just need a small little space to sleep in. You know when you build a house and you uh, create a, a guest bedroom? It's just big enough that people don't stay for longer than a week. Yeah, That's the type of hotel room that we went into. We in Avignon... It's a turquoise hotel room. I don't like turquoise. My daughter loves turquoise. I don't like it so much. And now we're in the smaller hotel room and we are in isolation by this point. We were supposed to get back. We're not getting back. We're in isolation. Blade is sick. I'm sick. We're not feeling very well. And in this space, 
God shares Scripture in a way that I had never understood it. And because I'm leaning in, because I'm coughing, because I have body aches, because I worry about how on earth are we going to get back, because I worry about whether our kids are all right, because I worry about Blader, because we are worrying together, I'm leaning in and I'm hearing God speak on this Scripture for the first time in a real way. Romans 12, 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. And I realize that my joy lies in the story that I have been telling myself on why I have hope. Because I said, listen, I'm going to go to France, and we've got a window because by the 15th of February, we'll be out. And by that point in time, the COVID regulations would change, which means that we didn't have boosters at that point in time. Then we can't enter anything. You can't buy food. You can't go to a hospital. You can't get into a, a train station or airport or anything. So my hope was we'll be out by the, 11th of, by the 11th of February. The 15th, the rules change. I said, Lord, you created this window. We love you so much. We adore you. You are going to bring us back in time. Imagine my consternation when walking in Avignon streets and the very same spirit that prompted and said, go, said to me, I'm praying, walking, anki anki with my wife. It's this beautiful city. The Pope lived there for decades. And I heard this prompting. God said, you will not leave here by the 15th of February. And I'm like, yo, who is this devil speaking to me? This is not of you, Lord. This is terrible. This cannot be true. You then tricked me if this is what you are doing. And I remember that evening I was lying in bed, and uh, this is before we were testing positive. I was lying in bed, and I said, Lord, this cannot be you. This, you led me into this. And at this point in time, I woke up, and I started sending messages to prayer warriors to stop this word that might be from God. And I said, prayer warriors, you need to pray that we test negative. Prayer warriors, you need to pray that by the 11th of February we were out there. I was very specific. The next day we tested positive. We tried. Well, I tried. My wife is in a much better space when it comes to praying. I pray what I want. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and we tested positive and I said, Lord, what is this? And the next evening, by that time I also had like symptoms, I felt God saying to me, you had hope in the wrong thing. Maybe you're sitting here and your prayer life is in chaos because you were rejoicing in a hope that was not of God. It was of religion you sort of fashion scripture and stuff around you so that you could feel safe, but it's not of God. And maybe God is saying, have hope, not in your preference. Have hope in my character. And this is God's character. He loves you. 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 If bad things happen to you, He will work it for good. If you don't understand that character of God, when bad things happen, you are going to be adrift. You are going to be in difficult situations. Know this. If you're sitting here, you're in a tough spot. God is saying to you, have hope in my character. 
because that will give you patience. And that will help you pray in a way that is aligned with my heart. Yes? I can just feel people sitting here saying, I, I'm out of hope. God is saying, fashion your hope after my character and not your preference. Because at that point in time, you will align your prayer life. After that understanding that God gave me in the middle of the night, Bladen, I aligned our prayer life saying, Lord, whatever your will is, if you need us out of the picture to speak into our children's heart, do that. If you need us to be away and so dependent on you and struggling to get food because I can't get into the restaurants to get food and you want to use that to speak to us, do that. If you want to change the next season in our life and that's why we have to go through this, do that. And for six days, God gave Blade and I a patience that was well beyond our spiritual maturity. And from that patience, he taught us so much. I want to close just with this, with this picture. That very last day that Blade and I now, sitting on the bed, we're starting a 24-hour journey to get back home. We needed about seven different miracles to happen on the same 24 hours for us to be able to get back to South Africa. The rules were stacked against up. The law was stacked against up. The doctors were stacked against up. And... We had 24 hours travel and there were five to seven miracles that we needed to be able to get back home. We're sitting on the bed, turquoise room, eyes closed, praying. And as we're praying scripture, Isaiah 51, over our, our journey, God showed me just this vivid picture of this massive vault door with a lot of dials, digital dials and physical keys and, and so on. And I experienced God saying, I'm working as you are praying. I'm working all of these dials, all of these keys. I'm working so that this door can open. And then I remember thinking, oh, thank God. This, is, this means that we are going to escape France. And as this thought fashioned in my mind, the Spirit said, no, don't you get it? This vault door that is opening, the things that I've been doing to open this door to you, it's because I want to lead you into a space where there is treasure inside of where I want to take you. Don't you get it? You want to escape. Don't you get what I've been doing? I've been leading you into a deeper understanding of what I want for your life. And I feel that God is saying that to many of you. There's a vault door that He wants to open into your spiritual life through the Holy Spirit. A vault door in which there is treasure, understanding, discernment, energy, creativity, power, strength, understanding. There are things that He has for you in your life, but this vault door needs to open and He's trying to open it so that you can hear His voice clearly. And we're going to allow just three to four minutes, five minutes at best, with some music playing in the background to allow you to double-click on the Holy Spirit through prayers and promptings.
to understand what God has, what treasure He has, what gold He has, what emeralds He has in your future, in your present, despite your past. Can we do that? Danny, if you can put some music up for us. And we're going to give each other just space. This is time with you in the Spirit. Understanding what God is opening and for what purpose. Father, I want to thank you that you just overwhelm us with who you are. You are good. You are faithful. You are kind. You are steadfast. You are real. Thank you, Lord, for these moments that we can have with you where you are teaching us and leading us into the ability to distinguish your voice from everything around us. And Lord, we want to step into into this vault where the treasures that you have for us are waiting for us to experience. 
Holy Spirit, will you drive us? Will you force us? Will you, will you just indwell us in a way that we would want more from you? Lord, we cannot do life without you. Lord, I cannot be a husband, a father, an employer, an employee, a student, a scholar, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Lord, I cannot do this without you. And Lord, I'm experiencing that our people here that have never had the opportunity to even say yes to you. And something in this sermon showed them that they don't have to do it alone. Something in this sermon showed them that if they accept Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross for them, their lives will change forever. Their spiritual computers will be switched on and they will have access to this spirit that will allow them to navigate real life. And for that reason, Lord, I want to just allow those that have not accepted you, Jesus, as their Savior, to do so today. If that's you and you're sitting here and you're saying, Lord, I need you to navigate real life. But I've never had the moment where I've invited you in my life. I want to do that today. I want to ask you if you would just shoot your hand up for one second and take it back down. If that's you, then I want to pray with you today. If you say, Lord, I want to, I want to have the ability to hear your voice, but that means I need to start a relationship with you. Just shoot your hand up while everybody is closing their eyes. Shoot your hand up and take it back down. Thanks. Lord, you saw. You saw what happened now. You saw your children that want to step away from religion, Lord, that want to step into a relationship with you. And I thank you for their lives that are now written in the book of life. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your wisdom. And I thank you for your church. Amen.